0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a surprise, special bonus episode, I guess. Uh, We were recording the last episode of season seven, and we were like, Well, we've got a whole lot of discussion and we really don't have time to squeeze in the bonus materials and stuff. So this is what we normally do at the end of the season is talk about the bonus materials that are still on the DVD. So we're doing that as well as revisiting Threat Level Midnight, the full movie that is also available on the DVDs. So we are getting started with one of the webisode series that is uh, included in the final disc.
1: There are three parts to this webisode. Um, It's called The Third Floor. That is the arch name of the three. Inside of that is Moving On, Lights, Camera, Action, and The Final Product. So this story is about Kelly and Aaron and eventually Ryan. It starts with Moving On. So we see Kelly and Aaron watching the music video that they made for Girl Next Door. Now, I can't remember if we have I think we've seen this somewhere in one other episode. Do you remember where we've seen this?
0: I'm trying to remember. They, Aaron and Kelly made a girl group. Yeah. And I actually, I think Ryan is in it, too. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we covered it yet. So we're going to have to find it and do another one of these special bonus episodes at some point. But uh, that's the context.
1: Because I've heard the song, but I didn't know where and if we'd covered it yet. But yes.
0: Uh, they're called uh, Subtle Sexuality, I yes, think. Yeah, Subtle
1: Sexuality. We don't get to see the music video, unfortunately, but Erin is so congratulatory for Kelly um, But Kelly's really upset that she only has two views on YouTube. She thought she would be absolutely famous by now. So she suggests that perhaps the reason she's only gotten two views is because music and dance are dead. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Perhaps it's that, you know, it's not relevant (laughs) or not good, (laughs) but that's not a possibility. So I'm going to give up music and dance is what Kelly says, but not on fame. She's not going to give up on fame. Erin is relieved because she really liked being famous. She said, everyone here knows my name, and she likes that. So Kelly wants to express herself, but she says she has nothing to say and no medium in which to do it. Kevin says that performing isn't the only way to express yourself. He, for instance, writes poetry. (laughs) We get to hear a little poem he wrote. It's a haiku. Beauty approaches. I am brought under its spell. I long to be with... And then I ran out of syllables. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't plan great. that one out too I, too well.
0: So at this point, we bump into Ryan, who's on the phone with an old folks home. He has a talking head. He says, I wanted to film a zombie movie. Picture this, 50 ancient zombies traipsing through the pothole-ridden streets of Scranton out for blood. And he says, sounds scary, right? Well, the management at this... Old Folks Living Home doesn't want Ryan to do this because they say it sounds exploitative. And so he's not being able to do what he wants artistically. Aaron and Kelly are doing what they want to do artistically. And so Kelly suggests, hey, how about we do your movie with you? We make a movie together. And so that's what they decide on. Uh, Ryan resists it first. Kelly says, Hey, it's okay. Lots of directors use their girlfriends in their movies. But then Ryan says something interesting. He says, you're not my girlfriend. We're linked. We're linked. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And so she is able to convince him, says, yeah, you can film it in the office. It won't cost you anything. And Ryan says, okay, well, if the director of paranormal activity can take a bunch of nobodies and a crap location and make a hit, so can I. So he thinks of Dunder Mifflin as a crap location. Uh, and at this point, it's the very end of this part. Kelly and Aaron start singing. We've got an outlet and they're dancing. And Kelly says, no more singing and dancing for us. <laughs>
1: While singing and dancing, of course. Right. <laughs> which brings us to part two of Third Floor Lights, Camera, Action. We start filming this zombie movie starring Kelly and Aaron and several other people in the office. Some of which didn't plan on being stars of this <laughs> of this movie but for instance Angela goes to make copies this is regular life office life Angela goes to make copies and when she lowers the lid to the copier she's accosted by a zombie or at least Aaron dressed as a zombie Ryan is of course there filming and he's thrilled to capture the authenticity of Angela's reaction because it was authentic because she was terrified and when Angela asks if that's a real knife that Aaron's holding he explains that prop knives cost way more than real ones and they had real knives so let's use what we've got (laughs) gabe of course does not like what's going on and he tries to reprimand ryan but he's not allowed to reprimand people in the office apparently and oh by the way ryan is dressed as a hollywood tool now he's just totally once again changed personas we've seen ryan change persona with every hobby he has ryan says he's looked through the handbook there's nothing about not making a horror movie in the office there's no rule against this Gabe points out, well, it does say you can't bring weapons into work. And right on cue, Aaron comes in wielding an axe and screaming at Gabe. (laughs) Um, So lines have been crossed.
0: It's pretty great because Gabe at this point like shrieks (laughs) and starts crying a little bit. And Kelly runs in at this point as Gabe is crying and she... uh, yells at him and says, run. he panics and he says, where? There's nowhere to run. (laughs) And so Ryan at this point turns around in his chair and he thumbs up Kevin, who's their camera guy. And he returns the thumbs up. And then it immediately cuts to not only Ryan is getting scorned now, all of them are getting scorned. Gabe says, you can't sneak up on people wielding weapons anymore. It's petrifying and frankly, unprofessional. And Ryan says, hey, listen, man, it may not be professional for you, But for me, making films is my profession. And he gives the camera this little side eye. And Gabe starts to say something about not wanting to threaten him. But if the production continues, he will threaten him. And Ryan interrupts and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Your voice just now sounded resonant and commanding. I have an idea that is so nuts. I feel like we kind of have to do it. Would you like to do voiceover work for my film? And Gabe's just like, wait a second. Resonant, commanding, really? Everyone usually says my voice is really nasally. And he said his stepdad always said he sounds like Truman Capote, but gayer. Uh, <laughs> ouch. But Gabe accepts and Ryan says, okay, I will direct, I will produce, I will act, I will write the score. I'll be the first person to uh, wear four hats, all four hats. And Gabe says, actually, Clint Eastwood already does all of that. And Ryan says, Oh, yeah. Well, does he also play his own soundtrack? And he picks up a saxophone, which we saw previously in season seven uh, when he was having, quote, band practice in this conference room. And when we saw that, we asked, Does Ryan know how to play saxophone? And I think the consensus between the two of us was, No, no way he knows how to play saxophone. And We were pretty much right. He (laughs) makes a sound on the saxophone, but it does not sound good, even for a saxophone. And still, he's proud. And he says, let's make a movie, guys.
1: (laughs) Did you just throw some subtle shade at saxophones?
0: uh, Did I? I I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Oh, oh, caught that. Okay.
1: (laughs) And uh, the final product, of course, we get to see the final product of this film. So we see the film in its entirety. Kelly is a paper salesman, and Meredith, a creepy old beggar woman, comes in and asks for paper, but she can't pay. When Kelly denies her, Meredith curses her, and may all the spirits of serial killers past combine forces and haunt the third floor for all eternity. Kelly doesn't think much about this because we're on the second floor, so okay, crazy, she goes about her day. Meanwhile, we see Aaron zombie kill Kevin, who plays a security guard. Creed, who is press, describes the zombie, the right arm of Lizzie Borden, the left arm of Jeffrey Dahmer, the heart of Jack the Ripper, and the legs of all the serial killers who <laughs> ever got away. We see Angela and Gabe in scenes from the last episode. They made it into the final cut. And then Kelly questions why these murders are happening, because they're on the second floor, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan, who makes, as he said, he acts, he makes an appearance in this. Explains that during renovations, they added a basement, making this the third floor. dun, dun, dun.
0: Oh, snap. That's not how buildings work. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I-, I love that Kevin is wearing his Paul Blart costume from, like, the previous Halloween. Yeah. And uh, the last part of this final product is the attack on Kelly. Kelly goes back to the original woman, Meredith, to reverse the curse. And that's when Aaron shows up to murder her. And one of the most absurd horror chase sequences I've ever seen follows. Uh, Kelly's like running backwards slowly the whole time. And she's poorly throwing obstacles in front of her, like a small coat rack that Aaron could just walk over or a rolling chair that she throws in the way. But then it just rolls out of the way (laughs) and so then she grabs the candy jar off of reception and throws that on the ground and Aaron uh trips quote quote unquote trips on the candy to the ground so Kelly thinks she's safe she goes out to the hallway is hitting the buttons on the elevator then the doors open and uh uh-oh dun 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 Aaron is there ready to kill her and then we get the tagline of the film, very last thing, which is third floors, the harm. Ugh. It's so clever. Mm.
1: I do have to give Erin props in this, though, because her commitment to this zombie <laughs> role. <laughs> no man, kidding. <laughs> her, um, her chase at the end. I uh-huh. mean, it was crazy and, and dramatic and unrealistic, but her physicality of the zombie was so committed and very um, creepy and jagged. And I. Was kind of into that, like that. Not that came out wrong, but you know what
0: I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean.
1: I was um, on board with her physicalization of the character. She did. It, she committed at least.
0: Yeah, she did a really good job. So that was the third floor, and I'm just looking at a list of webisodes, and I'm realizing that there are some that we have not talked about. I don't think oh. so. We'll have to go back, and we talked about the podcast, right? Like the the webisode, yes. the podcast, yeah, yeah, that was actually released after this one, but it oh. was included on the season six DVD for some reason. We just now got the third floor, so we'll have to see if any of the next two seasons have some of these older ones. Otherwise, we'll have to go back and find them and talk about them separately. But yeah, it we'll we'll, some... we'll get to that eventually. Uh, so the other major bonus on the season seven DVD was the blooper reel, which they include every season, and it's great. There's lots of funny stuff. What's the first moment that stood out to you, Katie?
1: I just wrote down a couple, as I think you did. Um, When Creed asks Jordan for their biggest client, which we just covered in, I think, our last episode of the main show, um, Mm -hmm. Pam says you can't do that. And as she's saying that, a lighting gel falls on her head from above. And (laughs) amazingly, Jenna Fisher doesn't break. Everyone else does, but she just sort of... (laughs) Kind of keeps it going. Um, A lighting gel being those colors that you put over theater lights or or set lights. Uh Um, And yeah, she just keeps going.
0: And there was also a slight line change in that delete or in that blooper that made me laugh. I think Creed says something like, Get me our biggest client on the phone, ASMP, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he, I think he's trying to say ASAP, but he just butchers it. Yeah. It's different than what he says in the actual episode. I really liked when Michael had his talking head. In the original episode, it's something like no, I love working at Dunder Mifflin, Division of Taliban Enterprises, or something like that. And mm-hmm. this one he says, No, I love working at Dunder Mifflin, Taliban branch. And then the light goes out. And he makes his face and he goes, oh, <laughs> and the light turns back on. And so he's like, OK, well, I guess I say the line again. So he starts to say the line again. No, I love work. And then the light goes off again. <laughs> and it, the next time it comes back on, he just like, OK, here we go. And he speeds as the line. No, I love working at Dunder Mifflin Tallyberry Branch. <laughs> and then he just smiles while so everybody on. else in the back <laughs> is laughing.
1: Another Michael one. This is at watch party, I guess it would be, because they're at Gabe's house and he's tossing the pizza dough because it's make your own pizza night and he tosses it a little too high and it hits the ceiling fan which is on and working apparently and lands on a boom mic apparently i just like the ones that involve <laughs> lighting and and mics but uh, and it lands on a boom mic and um just i don't know it just made me laugh
0: yeah well i mean in the episode he does that and it goes into like the sink or something but yeah. the the aim was just wrong i guess yeah. this time
1: <laughs> Just whips around the room.
0: Yeah, for the glee viewing party. In Counseling, the that's the episode where Dwight claims the people at the mall are appearanceists. Jim comes over in this blooper and leans on the counter next to Dwight's desk to say something. But there's like a little stuffed duck there and it quacks when it's squeezed. And so... John Krasinski leans on this and it starts quacking. He is just like smirks and he tries to get it out of the way by putting it on Dwight's desk and it is still going. And so he brings it back up and Dwight at this point, Rain is still in character. And he says, Jim, that is so inappropriate. <laughs> Here, John is just trying to get it to be quiet. And so he moves it over and uh, he stopped touching it and he holds up his finger. Hold on a second. And then it quacks again. <laughs> it's just like this thing won't stop talk or won't stop quacking.
1: It reminds me of those birthday cards. Apparently there's this trick prank birthday card that it's like one of those music playing ones you open it and it plays a song and it goes on a little bit too long so every time you close it and reopen it it gets a little bit louder or if you like hit it it gets louder and louder and louder and it goes on for something like 30 days or something (laughs) that's pretty great (laughs) gotta find one michael in the threat level midnight episode there's a uh outtake from that where he's doing his workout on the machine with no weights we all know the one and he's just spitting water out of his mouth. <laughs> and he's just going, Brah, He's like making these, I can't even do the sound he makes, but these aggressive, like violent sounds uh, as he's working out with no weights and not working out.
0: <laughs> right. For the episode where they go to the skating rink, Andy, Kevin, and Daryl, when they climb over, when they turn on the strobe, Craig Robinson accidentally sort of stumbles over the wall and like, lands halfway down and andy or ed climbs over and he accidentally lands on craig because he didn't realize he was in the way and so they just like fall on top of each other they're just holding each other and laughing pretty pretty hard it was pretty good
1: i think i just have two more in the commentary for this episode i believe it i forget who maybe jenna fisher said this about toby about paul lieberstein when toby was excited to use the gun violence form for the gun that that Dwight shot. In the commentary, they mentioned how Paul kept saying the line so quietly. And we hear one of them here. He's like, oh, we should go get the accident report binder. I've never used the... What, Toby? And he says it again, and he can't seem to get it out. (laughs) He's like, oh, I'm having a stroke. -er." (laughs) He just, he can't say the line loudly for some reason. It's just really funny, but also uncomfortable. And it's just, I don't know. It's very Toby.
0: And didn't, that's the one where he went... Back to the annex, and they were like shouting at him. You need to say your lie We didn't hear yeah. what you said. And he comes back out, and he just like slurs all of his speech. Like I, I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yeah. <laughs> and you had one more.
1: Yeah, just one little one. Um, Oscar finally blew a scene, which he never does, and everyone just applauds for him. And he's so frustrated. He's like, No, no, I didn't blow it. <laughs> and everyone's just laughing for him because he's apparently famous for not breaking. And he broke.
0: Good for him. Good on you, Oscar.
1: Yeah, I messed up. It's okay.
0: Okay, now, one that we've been talking about uh, doing for a few weeks now, we are going back to talk about Threat Level Midnight because on the DVD, we get the full cut of the movie that it's 26 minutes long. So it's longer than most of the normal episodes of the show are. So, uh, first thing I thought was worth pointing out, we get the full opening credits uh, starring Michael Scott, James Halpert, Pam Beasley, Daryl Philbin, DK Schroot. And then it says, and introducing Ryan Howard. I'm trying to remember now, what did Ryan play? I
1: truly don't know.
0: At, at Off the top of my head now, I I don't think he is in the movie.
1: No, because I watched this about 20 minutes before we started recording this right now, and I didn't see him, so
0: yeah, <laughs> as, I
1: don't know. But oh. I, I made a note as well, introducing Ryan Howard.
0: Yeah, maybe introducing him sort
1: of like on the production end, but that doesn't make sense. That's not where you put no production (laughs) team. So I don't know. Uh, Golden Face, we learn, has a thing for all star games. He's tried to blow up the quote NFL All Star Game, which is not a thing. The basketball All Star Game, which is not a thing. The NBA All Star Game, which is a thing, and the WNBA All Star Game. So only two of those exist. And we learned that the WNBA All Star Game is how Catherine Zeta-Skarn was killed.
0: Yeah, I thought it was funny. He he lists all the organizations: is the NFL, the NBA, the WNBA, but then it's just the baseball. The baseball. I think it's pretty clear, <laughs> yeah. pretty clear which sports that Michael is a fan of. <laughs> the president says that this one's personal for him because he owns the stadium. That's my retirement plan. They can't go in because Golden Face will kill the hostages and they can't cancel the game because it costs too, mon- too much money to cancel. And Skarn says, money. It's always about money, isn't it? If I ever own a business, I'm not even going to care about money. It's like this really strange anti-business, anti-money thing thrown in at the very beginning. And then it's not really revisited again by Skarn, at least. Though we get, do get something from Golden Face down the line.
1: Mm-hmm. I attributed that to Michael... Scott and his business isn't about money it's about family and it's about mm-hmm. friends you know so i would assume yeah. that that would translate to michael scarn as well
0: yeah and it, it, right after that it's funny um we've learned that scarn initially turned down the president he says i don't think it's important enough and then he says but just out of curiosity what's the threat level on this <laughs> and the president says and i wish this had been left in the episode i can't sugarcoat this we're at threat level Midnight, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Scarred accepts and decides to do the coin flip. Seven so times. of course we had to get the the title drop in there somewhere.
1: The hostages are being held hostage and decide to pick a leader, someone who can take on Golden Face. Pam's character, Sandra, has experience as a leader. She says, uh, as as a leader, as a negotiator, as a general, and as a cop. She's a mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! My eye roll. Oh. <laughs> Almost caused me, like, physical damage.
1: <laughs> so they chose her, based on her those credentials, to be the leader. Uh, so she is the leader of the group because she's a mom. Now, moms are great. Yeah. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were playing, like, 90s <laughs> sitcom music while she was saying that. Yeah. In other words, I'm a mom. It was, like, something from Boy Meets World. And they were and all just, like, like, nodding and smiling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In the middle of this hostage situation.
0: <laughs> and the reason they had been left alone during this scene is because Golden Face was, like, yeah, I'm going to go do some drugs real quick. And then he comes back when Kevin tries to charge down the door. And he's like, man, those drugs really hit the spot. <laughs> he says, so you guys chosen a leader yet? And Pam has this awkward line. We get her uh, recording this a few times in the blooper reel as well, where she literally just goes, gulp, <laughs> because she's the leader.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to get through that without breaking either. And Jenna definitely <laughs> couldn't. Michael, when he gets to the funky cat, is looking for Jasmine Winsong. He walks in and sees a redhead sitting down from behind, and he asks her if she's Jasmine Winsong. Meredith turns around and is wearing a mustache and just says in a grumpy <laughs> voice, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I guess she had to make an appearance. I mean, she, she's seen later in the bachelorette party table uh-huh. a bit, but otherwise, that's her, that's her big line.
0: Yeah, she does not look happy about it either. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> and so he goes to the piano and he puts money in the tip jar and he tells the pianist, who is Tony Gardner, Pepperoni Tony, beat it, turd. And Tony just says, thanks, mister. <laughs> and he walks off.
1: <laughs> Ready to get off the job, I guess.
0: Yeah. And this is where we get like the biggest chunk of stuff that we didn't get in the episode. It's the, all the extended stuff with Jasmine. Jasmine.
1: Yes, so this is the narrator speaking. Skarn knew that the only way to get Jasmine to tell him where the hostages were was to make her fall in love with him. And the only way to do that was to be himself. (laughs) Gosh, Michael, self-confidence much? (laughs) Self-confidence. So Skarn starts telling stuff about himself to Jasmine Winsong to make her fall in love with him. He says he likes Billy Joel songs. Mm. We knew that based on the soundtrack of the movie. Mm -hmm. Fish sandwiches. Okay, that's specific. (laughs) babies puppies he said he actually likes to think of puppies as baby dogs maybe that's weird but that's what i do Hmm. they are baby dogs (laughs) he says he's part bruce wayne part bruce willis and part bruce valanche okay odd combo but it works she tells him to stick around for her set because he'll find it informative
0: Hmm. yeah and so at this point she announces to the crowd okay, everybody, I'm afraid this might be my last performance. This one goes out to anyone who has been held hostage. (laughs) And this whole time, Troy, remember the the short guy, Ryan's friend from Mm -hmm. New York, is watching across the room. And so, yeah, he's the one who kills her with the blow dart. We see that in the episode. But it was just funny that she announces this as her final performance because she knows she's about to get killed for singing backwards. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And from there, the story kind of progresses as we've seen it for a while, up until Michael gets shot uh,
0: mm. and
1: he ends up in the hospital. We learn from the nurse, who, of course, is Pam's mom, Helene, that the bullet apparently went through every major organ in his body, his brain, <laughs> lungs, heart, back and balls. Uh, <laughs> I have two thoughts there. or Yeah, two thoughts. Back and balls are not a major organ. And
0: Mm-mm.
1: how? <laughs> <laughs> uh those are, yeah. Uh, Rubber and bullets.
0: Course.
1: Yeah, apparently.
0: They just bounce around. <laughs> when she starts kissing him, uh, this might be something we see in the episode cut as well, but it's something I paid attention to this time. Uh, his heart rate starts climbing. And so we see it goes from 97 to like 141 to 197 <laughs> to <laughs> 240. and that, That's a little concerning if uh, just a simple kiss makes your heart rate go 250.
1: I don't think his. I, I,
0: I think you would die. Yeah, I think he's not ready to
1: be uh, raising his heart rate yet. So he leaves the hospital and he's back at the president's office, the Oval Office. And the president, who is now evil, of course, we have seen Golden Face enter the office, has video footage of Skarn killing Oscar's character, the ice skater. That was and pretty major. Is, yeah, that almost like actually surprised. And is using that against Scarn. He says, he will people believe the president of the United States or this man. And he shows in the video. So now he's sort of blackmailed into submission.
0: At this point, we get the, the scene between Jim and Pam that we were told about in the commentary for the actual episode. Uh, and we hear some of these snippets of the lines in the episode, but this is the first time we get to see it. So Roy funny enough, is in the scene and suggests to Pam, hey, now's your chance. Go talk to Golden Face, see what you can do. So she goes up to him, says, hey, why is your face gold? He says, why do you care? She's like, well, I'm just trying to make conversation. (laughs) Like, I don't. I'm just making conversation. And so he tells us this tragic backstory. He worked in a gold factory. Yes, a gold factory for an element. You, You factor. Yeah, okay. And he had a boss who only cared about money. They didn't get lunch breaks, so they had to eat the gold. Then one day he looked in the mirror, I guess you are what you eat. <laughs> and so he reveals that his motivation for blowing up all the All-Star games, he says, if I could blow up all of the All-Star games, all the trophies would explode. And then everyone would be gold just like him. Yeah. Uh, huh.
1: And dead. <laughs> and also not gold. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs>
0: And it's worth noting, too, that Roy, uh, or Pam, says it's really sad. And so she kisses Golden Face on the cheek. And then Roy, from the background, when she kisses him, says, hey, uh, please let us go, Golden Face. It's like, uh, yeah, I saw that.
1: And then I think the next thing we see is Michael Skarn entering the bar. And most of that is the same at the beginning, except I love that Skarn says, beer me, Billy, as he sits down. Which, of course, <laughs> is a, a line that we got from Andy a while back. Mm-hmm. Lily tries to give Michael his pep talk. Unsuccessfully, the bachelorette party bought him that drink. And originally, we just got a line from Karen, but we get the other lines as well. Meredith, who's not a man anymore, she's now a bachelorette, says, Who ordered the man burger? Well done. Phyllis says, Hey, hot stuff, one last fling. And a totally unenthused Angela <laughs> says, Come ride the choo-choo, the sex choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was my favorite, I think. (laughs) And leading up to the Scarn, uh, we knew Packer was there. He was at the bar and he gets a line during the song later. But before the Scarn, uh, they're talking about it and he speaks up and says, the Scarn sounds gay. And Michael says, it is gay and straight and black and white and young and old and cool. Check it. And so then he does the Scarn. And so that that's when Packer has his line, if and the scar is gay, then I'm the biggest queer on earth, yada, yada. So that's a little bit of a payoff. And at the end of the scarn, Michael says, you guys, I think I have my self-confidence back. <laughs> it's like, yay, I'm announcing the transition to the next part of the story.
1: And I think the majority of that pretty much goes as planned, right? Uh, or as as we have seen, the next real change for me was after the climax of the of, of the film. Michael is accepting another mission from the president who, as Michael Scott, realized in the episode, Threat Level Midnight. Oh, right. The president is evil. Why did I accept another mission? And uh, as he hangs up with the president, he says, I'm getting too old for this bleep. (laughs) But he says, (laughs) beep. He he bleeps himself out. Uh, Yeah. I guess they ran out of budget to even... (laughs) <laughs> dub over <laughs> a curse word? I don't know.
0: He he had a line at, in that scene, too, where he says, well, Samuel, that was some adventure. Maybe someone should make a movie about me. And Samuel says, they should. And yes, it was. And he's reading a newspaper, and the headline says, Scarn saves day. Judge Adipau, which is a play on Judd Apatow mm-hmm. uh, as the director. He says, Judge Adipau to make a movie about him. So... <laughs> I just thought that was a fun little shout out. And then uh, the only other, there, there's two more small things. Uh, at the end of the credits of the movie, we get the the song credits. And of course, we knew that Threat Level Midnight, the rap, was performed by Andy. And the lyrics were written by Michael, but it says, inspired by the music of Will Smith, <laughs> which I thought was great.
1: Yeah. I was listening to that again, and it doesn't sound a ton like Andy to me for whatever reason. Um, I mean, I know it is, is. Uh-huh. but something about it i don't know i always forget it's andy
0: i don't know if i would have been able to place it if i hadn't been told it was andy but knowing it's supposed to be him i can hear it yeah absolutely and then lastly the very final thing there's a tag where michael thinks he's being so clever he was probably inspired by like toy story 2 if i had to take a guess uh where they did this as well at the end of the credits Scarn comes out he's in his robe he's like hey what are you doing here the movie's over It's threat level noon again. (laughs) Go home. Have a life. Fall in love. Go. And then he calls uh, Dwight's character Samuel. They think the movie's still going. And so they both start heckling the audience. Go home. Go home. Get a life. Go home already. Losers. Michael points out at the audience. Look at this guy. He just came for the popcorn. Could those floors be any stickier? (laughs) Dwight thinks this is hysterical. He says, look look at her. What's her problem? (laughs) And so they continue this for another minute or so. And they head back to the rooms at the back of the hallway and they sort of hide around the corner, but you can see them peeking their heads out. And the very last thing we see is Dwight turns the corner and charges at the camera and just goes, go home.
1: (laughs) I have to say, I think that they were taking inspiration though from Ferris Bueller's day off.
0: Oh yeah. See, I've only seen, yeah, that makes more sense.
1: Michael was dressed in the same robe and that was the original. It was much shorter. It was just Ferris saying, what are you doing? Or, Or he says like, uh, you're still here. It's over. Go home. And that's it. But he's yeah. in the same robe. There is no robot butler, of course. Yeah, that,
0: that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen Ferris Bueller once or twice, but I, I don't—I didn't remember that end credits thing. But yeah. you're right. You're right. Anyways, that's the discussion for today. We just wanted to make sure we covered what we normally cover. We didn't want to cheat anybody out of anything. So thanks for listening to the bonus and that's season seven.
1: Yay! See you in season eight.
0: Bye.